0: Week 3, this is the finale, the bookend on this little series getting us ready for uh, living the life Christ dreams of for us. We all have dreams. We all have things we want to accomplish, stuff we want to do, things we want to see happen in our lives, our kids' lives, our grandchildren's lives. And and the truth is uh, we can live all our life chasing the wrong dreams. So if we're going to be about that life, the life of Christ, we what does that look like? Where do we get our cues? And our, our base camp scripture, where we've kind of landed, we've gone from there, it's been our, our home base, but where we've landed here is in Ephesians chapter 4, and here's what it says. God wants us to grow up. In fact, it begins by saying, no infancies, long-term infancies among us, please. Like, if, if you've been new to Christ for a long time, it's time to take next steps and begin to grow. The same old, same old is not gonna last for you. It's time to take another step. To know the whole truth, not just the truth that fits your paradigm, not just the truth that makes sense to you or, or, or matches your lifestyle, but to know the whole truth. And then when you know it, you also tell it, but you don't tell it in anger. You don't tell it on top of your soapbox. You don't tell it with just, you know, so mad at the top of your thumbs on Facebook. All of you are gonna burn and go to hell, so come to church with me at Timber Creek. What? No! That's not how it works. Jesus says, I came full of grace and truth. In other words, before he told all the truth, he showed grace. Before he shared everything, he showed servanthood and kindness. And the Bible says it is his kindness that leads us to repentance. So we want to tell it in love and we want to be like Christ in everything. How much? Everything. Everything? Even that thing? Yes, everything. We take our lead from Christ, who is the source of everything we do. He keeps us in step. It's, it's a dance, this life that we're to be about. And we keep in step with Jesus, who leads it. And we keep in step with each other. And Paul says, so I insist, and God backs me up on it, that there I be going, in along, going along with the crowd, the empty-headed, mindless crowd. That's no life for you. You know, it's, it reminds me, this little thing going along with the crowd reminds me of the, the mom who was preparing a Thanksgiving feast. She had the turkey there. She's getting ready to put the ham in the oven. And she cut off the back of the ham and put it in the pan and went to go put it in the double oven. And, and the dad stopped and said, why, why do you cut the, the back of the, the ham off? And then she says, well, I always saw my mom do that at Thanksgiving. I just figured that's just what we, this is what we do. She goes, well, you, we got to call her and, and find out why she does. So they call on the phone and say, hey, uh, mom, w- why would you cut the back of the ham off every time before you put it in the, in the oven? she goes, well, actually, my mom just always cut off the back of the ham. I don't know why we do that. Just ask grandma. And so sure enough, grandma was coming over for Thanksgiving that day. So when she got there, they said, grandma, you... You always cut off the back of the ham before you put it in the pan, before you put it in the oven. Why did you cut off the back of the ham? Is it savored? Does it open up? Does it make it more like what? She goes, oh, I I never had a pan big enough. I I, I just never had a big enough pan. And all of a sudden, what we do is we go along with the crowd, not even knowing why. The mindless crowd, that's no life for you. Take on an entirely new way of life, a God-fashioned life. A life renewed from the inside. You will never renew your life from the outside in. It's always from the inside out. And it's working itself into your conduct, the way you behave. As God accurately produces, reproduces his character, who you are. Did you know that there is no such thing as a little decision? Because little decisions are big decisions in disguise. If you can't figure out the little decisions, you'll never be able to make the big decisions. And every single little decision is like a chisel on granite, carving away your character. And that's what Jesus wants to do in you and in me. And so, week one, we took next steps of what does this look like, that, that, about that life? And to finish up today, I want to ask you a question. Not that you're not ready to go forward. Not that you're ready to, you're ready to take next steps. But, but here's the question I want us to ask today. Is there anything, what am I carrying that might be keeping me from my, that life? Is there anything I've got in my hands that I'm carrying that could be slowing me down, keeping me from that life God intended? Senior saint... I got it all figured out. Could it be that pride, even in old age of serving Jesus a long time, could blind you from some character flaws and attitude adjustments that need to be surrendered? You're still investing. You, you, whether you're a Christian or not, maybe you're not even Christian, you just came with mom and dad and they dragged you here today. I'm glad you're here. If you're not a Christian, you don't have to, you don't have to be about that life. You just be about your life. But if you're a Christ follower, you've got to answer the question, is there anything keeping me from the life Jesus intended me to live? You know, there is just this growing phenomenon. And if you've traveled any time recently, you've experienced it. And that is nobody wants to check their bags anymore in the airport. Everybody's trying to, to carry on as much as the airline will let them carry on for a couple of reasons. Number one, they're afraid they're, they're going to lose our bags And so they don't want to check them. Number two, it costs money. And they've had a bad experience before. If they checked them, they couldn't find them. They were in Sacramento, and they went to Toledo. Their bags went to Toledo. And they just, you know, I mean, I've had that happen to me. uh, Entirely lost, never to be found again bags that I wanted to carry on, but they made me check them at the gate. Had my car keys in the the carry-on, made me check it. Got lost. I was flying Delta. You know what Delta stands for? Don't expect luggage to arrive. I've also heard, don't ever leave the airport as a Delta. <laughs> anyway, I was on an American Airlines flight, though, and it was my, my dad and I, we did a 35-55 uh, goal together. I was 35, he was 55, we ran the Orange County Marathon together, and on our way from accomplishing that marathon, uh, we were getting back on the plane, and they they went over the intercom, and they said, hey, we need you to check your bags at the gate, we're out of storage room, and my dad is like, one of the kindest, most like Jesus men I've, I've ever known. And he goes, no. <laughs> and he was serious. He said, uh-uh. And he, he travels all the time. He said, ah, last time I checked, no. I just, three times in a row, American Airlines has lost my stuff. I'm not checking my bags. And I'm going, dad, like, calm down. You, we're going to be arrested here. In a, and this is not you. This is not you. And he said, no, I have, I've never, sure enough, we get on the airline, we get into the back, and there are two bins right next, we had to check them, but there were two bins wide open, completely empty, and my dad's like, take a picture, take a picture of that, I am calling American as soon as we land. (laughs) People get funny about check bags and the airport and the time it takes, and it kind of reminded me of this little clip, take a look. Where's the fire, huh?
1: Yeah. I'm sorry, sir, you're gonna have to check yeah. that. I got it. No, I'm sorry, that bag won't fit. No, no, I'm not, hey, I'm not checking my bag, okay? Okay, there's no need to raise your voice, sir. I'm not raising my voice. This would be raising my voice to you, okay? I don't wanna check my bag, okay? Because I already did that once and you lost it. And then I had everything screwed up very badly for me, okay?
2: Um, Well, I can assure you that your
1: bag will be placed safely below deck with the other luggage. Oh, yeah? How do you know my bag will be safe below with the other luggage, huh? Are you physically gonna take my bag and put it beneath the plane? Are you gonna go right now outside with the guys with the earmuffs and go put it in there? No. No? Okay. Then shut your pie hole and listen to me when I say that I am finished with the checking of the bags conversation. Sir, we have a policy on this airline that if a bag is this large... Okay, you know what? Put your grumpy little paws oh. off of my bag, okay? It's not like I have a bomb in here. It's not like I want to blow up the plane. Sir. I just want to stow my sir. bag according to your safety regulations. Sir, hey, hey, sir. Hey, if you would take a second and take a little sticks out of your head, clean out your ears, and maybe you would see that I'm a person who has feelings, and all I have to do is do what I want to do, and all I want to do is hold on to my bag and not listen to you. <laughs> and it's the only way that I would ever let go of my bag would be if you came over here right now and tried to pry it from my dead lifeless fingers. Get off of me, get
2: off of me. All get down on of the couch.
0: All I do, all I wanna do is what I wanna do, yeah. And how many of us, we, we carry on. I mean, you don't know how many vacations my dad adorned <laughs> the fanny pack. Despite begging, Dad, I know it's 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 got great utility. Work. He's like, man, you need chapstick, you need mace. I've got an extra credit card in here, son. Anything you want, like tater tots. You want some tater tots? I got tater tots. <laughs> Carrying his fanny pack around. Oh, Dad. But we love to carry on stuff. We we, we love carry ons. And 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 here are some things that that. I believe, are some common carry-ons that, if not checked, um, won't just be something you have to carry, but it will keep you from being about that life. Write some of these down. Number one, unfulfilled expectations. Unfulfilled expectations. Where you thought it was going to turn out one way, it, it didn't. Where you were hoping for this and you... Came up short. The promotion was promised over and over, you'll get that bonus this Christmas, Griswold, and you got the plans to put in the pool, and all you get is jelly of the month club. You, you have aspirations of what marriage should look like, and then you're married and it doesn't look the way you wish it looked. Really unfulfilled expectations have a lot to do with what we're hoping for. And the Bible's clear in Proverbs that hope deferred or hope on delay, it makes the heart sick. What you were hoping for, you didn't get, and it, and it, and it, it, it hurts you. And that's the longing fulfilled is a tree of life. So when we see something happen, oh, man, that's great. But you've been waiting. And you thought that this time it was going to be different, and it wasn't. And that hope deferred can make the heart sick very sick. It's this, here's the challenge, it is the, it's the space between expectations and reality, where we have expectations here, but we live in reality, and the space between expectations and reality, that's where a whole lot of stuff happens. Uh, That's where instead of filling the gap between expectations and reality with hope, we fill it with frustration. Instead of filling the gap with trust We fill it with suspicions. Instead of trusting the Lord with all our heart leaning not on our own understanding, we try and make sense of it and maybe put it in our own hands when expectation doesn't quite meet reality. It is a carry-on that even now you're not living your best life when you are carrying around these unmet, unfulfilled expectations. Even as a Christ follower, everything, I, I thought when I became a Christ follower that this addiction was going to fall away. And your expectation, reality, there's a gap between. And now you say, well, why, why even serve Jesus if I can't get free from this? And so you carry that unfulfilled expectation. Here's another one. Number two, it's, it's untreated pain. It's not that you won't ever not have pain. In fact, Jesus says that you will have sorrows, you will have troubles. The, the, the Bible says it, it rains on just people and unjust people, righteous and unrighteous. You're going to experience pain in life. The challenge is that it's when it's left untreated. Dread, the dreadful art of tucking things away, many of us have become masters at where we tuck it away, we push it behind us, we, we, put, we put it way down in there, it starts, it starts bubbling to the surface during the holidays, and so we say, no, 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 shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up, get down in there, untreated pain, pain that you caused yourself, pain that was undue to you, it was wrong, but you were, were in pain from somebody else and the decisions they made, pain from collateral damage that happened because of someone else's actions, and when you don't treat it, that's when it becomes a, a carry-on. And I mean, so far, I mean, I can, I can live life like this, but I sure miss out if I'm beginning to carry and I hold on to things. There's this prophetic moment in the book of Jeremiah in the Old Testament, and the, the prophet Jeremiah, the mouthpiece for the Lord, he, he's talking for God. God gives him these words, and here's, here's what he says. They'll dress the wound of my people as though it were not serious. Peace, peace, they say when there is no peace. It's like the person that you say, Hey, how you doing? I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. It's all good. It's fine, it'll be fine. It's fine. It's fine, 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 okay, fine, fine. I'm fine. They're not fine. They're not fine. And the way they have treated their pain is by not treating their pain. Not treating the pain, it's like the person who who throws away the credit card bill. Not treating the issue is not going to fix the issue. That's carry-ons. Number three, there is unresolved yesterdays. This is such a major carry-on for people. Where, Where people had something happen yesterday... And they carry what happened yesterday into today. And so instead of today being new, instead of his mercies being new every morning here, I can experience that, whether, but, but I'm holding on to what happened yesterday. And then if I take that thing that happened yesterday from today into tomorrow, tomorrow is still now today, and I'm dealing with yesterday stuff. And I've got unresolved yesterdays. People in life, the reality is bad stuff is going to happen. As I said, it's going to rain on good people, on bad people. The danger in these yesterdays is we don't deal with stuff quick enough. And we think if I just kind of let it die or if I ignore it, it will be okay. In the book of Ephesians, Paul says it like this about anger. He says, in your anger, do not sin. Say it with me out loud. Do not let the sun go down. Good, good, good. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Don't give the devil a foothold. So what we see is there's a timeline on dealing with issues. And it's better to deal with your issues while today is today, not while today is yesterday. Because if you don't deal with your issues today, those yesterdays become unsolved, unsettled, unresolved and they mess up today and tomorrow. Now, look, look look, look, at this. In your anger, do not sin. It doesn't mean that anger is even a sin. It says in your anger, don't sin. But if you let anger carry on till tomorrow, that's when it changes and becomes sinful. So you can get mad. You can get angry. You can get good and angry. But when you don't let that anger go, when you don't resolve it, when you hang on to it, that anger, it, it evolves into rage, it evolves into hatred, it, it evolves in, into uh, bitterness. And all of a sudden, because you didn't treat it, you could have treated it with a conversation here, but now you're having to treat it with a whole new set of tools because it's festered and grown and, and, and you've just been carrying it for so long. I don't know which one you're dealing with, if maybe all three, if not the other two. I just know that we all have carry-ons that instead of checking them, which would be, you know, it may feel like it would cost you something to check them. Your hands would be free. You'd be able to move with so much more ease. Oh, you don't know the life if you could just walk without the bags. Number four, and quite frankly, This is one that I've struggled with myself. And it's this. It's it's the unhealthy view of self. And the unhealthy view of self can come from all kinds of places. Truth be told, uh, you know, I grew up in a home where my parents prayed for us. My parents told us every single day, I love you. You're going to be a champion. I believe in you. Where every, every day we were dropped off at school, Jeremy, keep your hand in the hand of Jesus. Strong examples of purity, honesty, Christ followership. And yet, I struggled with an unhealthy view of self. Some of it came from being the smallest and the shortest. and It wasn't just because I didn't have my growth spurt, my pituitary gland didn't develop as a child in the womb, and I had a growth hormone deficiency, and that that pituitary gland also affected my optic nerve on the left side. And because of that, my optic nerve didn't develop for my left eye, and I'm completely 100% blind in my left eye. And especially kids say, what, what can you see? I said, I nothing, but what, What? What? But, close your eye, how many fingers am I holding up? I still can't see it, you know. And uh, uh, what, what, are you sure you don't see anything? I, I don't, what I see is not, I don't even see the back of my eyelid. It's just, it's like a TV that's not plugged in. I just don't see anything out of my left eye. But when I was younger, that left eye uh, was crossed. And I, not only was I the shortest kid in class, even like the photographer of our, of our uh, family pictures would put me in the middle of our, my, my middle brother, my youngest sister. I was the oldest, but they put me in the middle because my brother was like four years younger than me and bigger than me. They'd, people would say, oh, oh, you have twins? And here I am nine and my brother's five. And I'm like, hey, twins, shut up. And... Uh, so being the shortest in class, having a cross, I, I was a lady killer. I just want to tell you right now. I just uh, watch out, ladies. Um, and, and you know, even that. I so so. In order to cope, I figured, well, if I'm not gonna be picked first on kickball, or if if I'm gonna be overlooked by these kids, then maybe maybe if I'm funny. Um, and so I really kind of leaned into uh, making friends through, through laughter. But I also figured out that even the best-looking guys, if you can make the girl laugh, you get the good one. You get the good one. I figured that out. But, but, uh, <laughs> and all <I> right, <ride> Janet. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but, but I say that to say some of you, you have an unhealthy view and you didn't grow up in the home life I did. You didn't, you weren't even told I love you. Like you don't know what what physical affection in a positive way really feels like because it wasn't positive. And I can only imagine how you feel about yourself because of things you've been carrying through, through life. And you begin to look at yourself that way and you look at others that way and it affects everything. And, you know, Jesus says it like this through the Apostle Paul, the only accurate way to understand ourselves is by what God is and by what he does for us, not by what we are and what we do for him, some of you, you've got to let go of that unhealthy image of self because you're not going to ever see things accurately because you're looking through the way you see things and not the way God sees things. And then number five, as though this weren't enough, we deal with this fifth issue and it's, it's this uh, unrepentant sin, Unrepentant sin. I don't, mean, I don't mean sin that you've asked forgiveness for. That's forgiven sin. That's forgiven sin. When you say, Jesus, forgive me, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. But repentance is our choice. Forgiveness is what we receive from God, but repentance is our steps that we take. The word repentance doesn't mean ask forgiveness or even say you're sorry repentance means change your mind change your pattern change your way and, and i know that in a room this size those of you watching it there's been things that you've said god i'm sorry and you really are but it's like you just haven't been able to figure out how to how to change He's forgiven you, and some of the carry-on you're carrying is that you, you, you're you carrying shame that ought not be on you. You're carrying guilt that's already been forgiven, but you won't change your way on it. Paul has to deal with stuff, and he says, I, I've asked God to take it away, and I got this thorn in my flesh. I do what I don't want to do, and then I, then I don't do what I ought to do. He says, has that been your experience? He says, it's been mine. But this unrepentant, unchanging sin that that I feel bad about and I say, I'm sorry, God. Until I change pattern, until I move a different direction, it's unrepentant sin. The psalmist David says it like this. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Selah. In other words, selah means think about it. So when we have unrepentant sin, it's like what should not take you much energy takes you a lot more energy. What should not, should not bother you bothers you because you're carrying things that are sapping your energy. Just a couple of days ago, I, I think a healthy habit, and I don't always score 100% on this, but every day, whatever that date is, you ought to read the Proverbs. So if it's September 2nd, today, I this morning read Proverbs 2. Tomorrow I'll read Proverbs 3. And a few days ago on August 29th, I opened up the word to the 29th proverb. And in Proverbs 29 it says this, a man who remains stiff-necked after many rebukes will suddenly be destroyed without remedy. What a a sobering verse. And here's what I want to say to you. Jesus is ready to forgive. He'll forgive you. But if you remain stiff-necked and don't repent and change, there can come a time, there can be a moment where without remedy, until you, if you've not changed, even though you're forgiven, it's going to have consequences that you're going to have to deal with. And so today, what I want to invite us to do is, before we leave to lunch, before we leave back home, before we get into the parking lot, I'm going to ask us to take the advice of the modern-day prophet. His name is Ice Cube. And Ice Cube said it like this, checkity-check yourself before you wreckity wreck yourself. We need to check our bags, and I, I believe spiritually. Listen to me now. I believe that by the time I'm done today, you're not going to see it but this altar, this worship center is going to be full, stacked with bags that you're deciding to leave today so that you can live the life God intended you to live. That's what I want for you. But way before I want it, God has designed that for you. And so how do we begin to check this? How do we, how do we deal with our carry-ons Here's what the Bible says. In 2 Corinthians, we read this verse, though we live in the world, right, we're we're right here in the world, we don't wage war as the world does. See, here's how the world wages war on their carry-ons. Here's here's how the world wages war on their untreated pain, their unresolved yesterdays, their unfulfilled expectations, their view of self, you name it, they self-medicate. They self-medicate with more work. They, they self-medicate with more reading. They self-medicate with alcohol or pills. And the world, here's how we wage w- war. We just say, ah, it'll be fine. Oh, it's okay. I'm going to be all right. Or we wage war like we get on Facebook and we say, I ain't ever trusting another man in the rest of my life. And then all of our friends get on there. Like, oh, yeah, you go, girl. He's trash. No, no, Yeah. That's how the world wages war. That's how the world wages war. We go and we give somebody a, a, a two, two stars on Facebook. And God wants us to wage war not the way the world does. Because the weapons we fight with aren't the weapons of the world. Many people fighting the stuff that they're dealing with with their tongues and with their grit and with their hustle. And there's just some things you're carrying. You can't, you can't hustle enough. You're not going to outrun it. You have to wage war a different way. On the contrary, so, so, so now we see, okay, so if that's not what we do how, do, how do we deal with this? They have divine power, those people that live in the world but don't wage war, the world does. They have divine power to demolish strongholds. Now think about that. Think about the word, it's a lot less sexy than the word carry on. Strongholds. Something that has a strong hold on you. As much as you tried to shake it off, it's just got a hold on you. The word stronghold in the Greek, and I love the Greek because there's like four Greek words to every English word. And so when you understand that the the word of God was written in Greek, there's just so much depth to the word. One of the languages it was written in. And and so this word strongholds, this is the Greek word for it. It's uh, that word. <laughs> you you kind of say it like, this. It's, it's like you have to clear your throat. Uh, and you have to say, chroma. All right, everybody with me? One, two, three. Chroma. Oh, there's spit all over the floor. What in the world? At first I was like, uchimama, but no, no. Uchroma. Uchroma. So stronghold, what is the Greek for, for stronghold? Here, here it is, here it is. A prisoner locked by, not chains, not the government, not something they're guilty of. A stronghold is when a prisoner is locked by deception. In other words, you are locked in prison by something that isn't true. It's a lie. And you're being deceived. Your baggage is not based on reality. It's based in a lie. And my view of self growing up was not based in reality. Was I short? Was I a little cross? Yeah. But my real reality was who I am in Jesus. Not who I thought I was. And God sees somebody else. He sees the prisoner set free when he steps onto the scene as the son of God in the flesh. And he pulls out the scroll of Isaiah and he says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. And he said, I'm bringing good news to the poor and I'm going to set the prisoner free. He's not just talking about those that are in prison. He's talking about Uchromach. Those that are imprisoned, locked by deception, if baggage is a lie, then the way to get rid of it is to know the truth. And 167, look at me, look at me, 167 hours a week, you are told lies by the enemy. You, 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 are, you are begged to be envious of other people's stuff. To put stuff before God. To love these things and this world more than him. 167 hours a week, you are bombarded with the lies of the enemy. And we gather on this Sunday just to remind us, whoa, you are who he says you are. You can become who he says you can become. And there is truth how how's how? How the question? How do how do we truly how do we truly get past these strongholds? Well Paul goes on to say it like this in second Corinthians: we demolish these arguments, these lies, these deceptions, and every pretension that sets itself up against the what of God, the knowledge of God? see God God's knowledge about you is. More true than what you know about you, the Bible says, God, "What you can't see, God sees, and what God sees, you can't see." In in other words, what God sees is more real than what you see. What God sees in the eternal is more real than what you see in the in this temporary life. Let me tell. Let me say it to you this way. Here's the knowledge you need to know. Your body, it isn't saved. The, that that is saved in us when we accept Christ, that's what will go to heaven. This body will turn back to dust. This is a temporary tent, and your body's not saved. And your body is at war. Your body's at war with your spirit saying, hey, hey, I want you to do this way. Live for me. Hormones, hormones, hormones. There's your body. Eat this, love that, do that, feel good, feel good. You deserve it. You deserve it. Eat it, eat it, eat it. Kiss it, kiss it, kiss it. Whatever. I don't know. <laughs> but the knowledge of God, we've got to take that, those thoughts captive, that, to captive every thought, that body, that, that the, the, the part of us, body, spirit, and soul. We take that captive to make it obedient to Christ. That's how we really begin to find freedom and check our bags. Let me say it to you another way in Scripture, Romans 12. Don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. Like like a caterpillar going through metamorphosis, the cocoon, and the struggle through the cocoon. Look, if you cut a caterpillar out of its cocoon you will basically kill that that, that thing from ever becoming a butterfly. You gotta go through the struggle of getting out of the cocoon to become who God really has you to be. It takes a process. And that process is being transformed by the renewing of the way you think. That sure sounds simple, I know, but your mind, the way you think, what you put in here, And I know sometimes church has been more about like, y'all not go do that, y'all not go do, you can't listen to music unless it has the word Jesus in it and it's saying it in a positive way. Only wear T-shirts with my face on them. You know, if you're going to be a Christian, listen to, you know, just listen to Carmen if you way back in the day. Blinking your eyes, who is Carmen? YouTube Carmen Christian music. You're welcome. transformed by the renewing of the way we think. The way I think affects the way I feel. The way I feel affects the way I act. And if you really want repentance, you got to change the way you think about it in order to turn the other direction. Are you sure it's that simple? Yeah, let me show you another place. You were taught to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. Your body isn't saved, see? To be made new in the attitude of your... Minds. So Jesus makes our spirit new, but yet we've got to be every day renewing. You know why Jesus said, like somebody asked him, how many times I should forgive, and he said seventy times seven. Because you gotta, you gotta really forgive in your mind. You can't just say I forgive. You gotta, you gotta be active, renewing that mind. I'm gonna forgive. I forgive. I forgive. I want this for you. I want this for me. I want this for my children and my children's children. But you need to look at me in the eyes, and you need to understand. You can believe this. You can believe it. You can be renewed. You don't have to keep carrying that thing that you've been carrying. You can know this. Jesus says you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. And it can't just be a catchy slogan that you think Oprah came up with. That's not Oprah, that's the Bible. This little scripture can't just be some kind of clever little Pinterest art that you put in your powder room. Can't be a slogan on some picture on a coffee book table. You got to know the truth, and the truth sets you free, but you got to know it. And by knowing it, you got to believe it. And there are three simple things you and I need to be reminded to believe every single day. To be renewed by, by being transformed by the renewal of your mind, remembering these, remembering these, remembering these, remembering these. Because so easily we forget. Here they are, number one. God still loves me. He still loves you. You you don't know, you don't know what I've done. I don't have to know what you've done. I know what he's done. His he showed his love in such a crazy huge way. He still loves you. Listen, I, I, I love it when my son obeys and cleans up his room the right way. I still love my son when he cleans up his room by jamming everything under the bed. One will be rewarded. One will be fixed. But it does not change my love for him. I love him. You know, in a few weeks, I'm going to do a little three-week series called The Other 316s, and I'm going to get the whole church, if you'll join me with this, that we know the big 316, John 316. Most people know that by heart. But there's other 316s in the Bible that are powerful scriptures that I'm, I'm going to invite our whole church to memorize these, uh, and your children to memorize them, and your families to memorize these other 316s because they're so powerful for... Everyday living, but let me just read to you the John three sixteen from the message paraphrase. Look, look, just be reminded of this: this is how much God loved the world, He gave His Son, His one and only Son. Janet and I love this church. We love you. Maybe you don't even know us because you're relatively new. I just want you to know we've been praying for you long before you ever came in this room. We love you. Your God-given potential is our mission. And I pray for you. And I can't pray for every single one of you by name. There's just too many of you. But I pray for you, the men, the women, the children, the grandchildren, the aunts, the uncles, the prodigals that have yet to come home. I pray for you. I love you. And I sacrifice a lot, and our family sacrifices a lot to be your pastor. But it is a sacrifice I gladly make every day. But I, hear, I want you to understand, if pastoring this church and loving you meant that my youngest son, Graham, would have to die, I don't love you that much. And you don't love me that much. If it said, hey, you want to keep pastoring, you're going to have to lose your family, Bye. Bye. I'll see you. I'll go work at Starbucks. No, I probably won't do that. I'll do something. Maybe that'll happen. Maybe all I can do. I know how to make a good coffee. I don't love you that much to give my only son. But Jesus wanted to prove just how much... Because people would doubt it. People would question it. There's no way God could ever forgive me. Let me show you how much I mean, what I mean. I'm going to give you my son. Like, that's the love he has. Oh, God, thank you. Thank you that you love us that much. May we not forget it. He still loves you. The Bible goes on to say, this is why. He doesn't love you just because he feels like, he loves you. Why? So that no one need be destroyed. No one need be destroyed. Can't believe God, and why would a loving God send anybody to hell? He has has no intention to send anyone to hell. It is his intention that you would embrace his son. If you don't want to live for his son on this earth, why would you want to live with his son on the other side of the earth? He says you don't have to either side, you choose. But he gives us his son so nobody might be destroyed. And by believing him, anyone, yes, anyone, can have a whole and lasting life. God didn't go to all the trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger, telling the world how bad it was. He came to help. He's not mad at you and he's not mad at me. He's crazy about you. He's he's. He's here to help, and that's really what Timber Creek is all about. When we say your God-given potential is our mission, we're here to help. We're here to operate the mission of Jesus the way he's called this church to do that. And over the last couple of weeks, we've talked about these pieces of our movement where if you are jumping into Timber Creek, your first step is starting point. And the key three is get into starting point, figure out your gifts and and where you can find a place and decide if you even want to be a part of this church, because if you go through starting point, you're like, I don't know if I really like what this church. I kind of would rather. This is not the church for you, then. Like, if you go through starting point, you're like, I don't know if I like this church. Like, go to a church and like it. Like, why why be here and not like it? That would be horrible. Like, don't go watch a movie. Like, I hate that movie. I'm gonna go watch it again. Like, what? Man, I cannot stand McDonald's. I'm gonna go have a Big Mac. Like, why would you do that? Go where you can be involved, and I believe this is a great church. I believe that, that I like the Big Mac here. I mean, it good, it's good food and healthier than the Big Mac, I promise. But we want you to get a part of a dream team, a part of a group where you can carry one another's burdens. Listen, we, we, we don't start on week one of a group by saying, okay, everybody, thanks for coming to Del Rio. We're going to have a good time. But before we go, we're going to have everybody give us your name and, um, and a sin you're struggling with. Go ahead, Beth. Like, people are so afraid of groups because they think that's what happened. If you went to a group last week and that's what happened, let us know. We will shut that group down. Okay? Like, that's not what groups would be. But as you get to know each other in an unintimidating atmosphere, all of a sudden you find people that are like you. You say, oh, I'm not the only one struggling with how to raise my kids. I'm not the only single mom here. I'm not the only single parent here. Oh, I'm not the only one going through a divorce. I'm not the only one that's lost a child. I'm not the only one. They too, they, they deal with that too. And all of a sudden, you're able to find freedom through these groups. Grow track, the knowledge of God through Christ-like conviction, character, and conduct, and encounter. And I wanted to say to you, like, encounter is almost like full. We just got a few spots left. But, but like, if you want the practical steps of what I'm talking about today, of really finding freedom from stuff holding you back, and you feel like I just need to go deeper with God, and I, I don't, but I feel stuck... Like encounter, I encourage you. It starts next Sunday night, and it's a process that really helps us deal with our carry-ons. I got to finish up number two. God can free me. He still loves you, everybody, and He can free you. I've been so bound with this sin for so long. I've always had this view of self. For so long. He can. Free you. Do you know what he's awesome at? Resurrections. He's awesome at resurrections. And that old self dies and he can free you. Romans 8, you don't have to live under a continuous low-lying black cloud. A new power is in operation. There's a new power in operation. The spirit of life in Christ like a strong wind whew, magnificently cleared the air. Freeing you from a faded lifetime of brutal tyranny at the hands of sin and death. He can free you. I don't know if it's true. It's true. Believe me. Believe his word. You can live free from the biggest things and even the little things that are holding you back. And number three, not only does he love us, not only does he free us, but it's all throughout scripture. It's the promise of God he will restore me restore like like a car that back in the day was something but now it's sat on the blocks and the weeds have grown and the paint has faded and the chrome is chipped and God doesn't walk into that yard and say look at this piece of junk he says oh You know what I could do if they let me get my hands on them? We'd be cruising again.
2: We'd be going.
0: And Even though you've had some carry-ons and even though I've dealt with my own, it's this last week, reading an article about a, a pastor of a church like this in California. Struggled for so long with depression and anxiety, and on the weekend before church, he he, he shot himself, killed himself. Nobody's exempt from hurt and pain and strongholds. No, no, nobody's exempt. And David, the man after God's own heart, he. He knew what it was like to have strongholds. He knew what it was like to have stuff that he tried to keep secret and hide and not check. David writes this psalm. He says, though you have made me see troubles many and bitter, you will restore my life again. From the depths of the earth, you will again bring me up. And what David doesn't realize in this moment, but what we see now is he is speaking prophetically of Jesus himself. That because of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, you and I have access to freedom in Christ that was paid for by the cross and the resurrection. And if the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, you can know that and that truth will set you free. time to check your bags let's pray Would you close your eyes bow your heads before we can ever do any kind of business with God before we can check bags before we can talk about anything that we might be carrying that we need to offer into the hands of Jesus the number one thing everybody you can't deal with your stuff until you've dealt with your Savior you will not have power To overcome those strongholds until you invite Jesus to be the center and Savior of your life. Otherwise, you're just trying to do it on your own. If you're here for the first time or the first time in a while, you need to invite Jesus to be the Lord of your life, the Savior. Guiding you step by step. Not being perfect. Like, that's not what we're praying. But you're saying, I need to surrender to Jesus because I've been trying to do this thing on my own. And I can't if that's you I'd love to lead you in a prayer but you need this I want this for you but more than I want it you need to want it and Jesus wants it for you too but you say Jeremy would you pray for me I want to make Jesus the center of my life again if that's you just put a hand up in the air yeah 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 I see you I see you girl I see you sir I see you you can put your hand see you guys all across many many hands today many many hands today yeah oh way before i could ever see you jesus sees you you don't even have to raise your hand for jesus to know your heart and if your heart means it, you can just pray this with me and god is ready to restore you today to remind you of his love you just pray jesus thank you for dying on the cross for me being the son of god only way I can even connect to God is through you, Jesus. I, I give you everything. I've got stuff in my life, junk in my life, carry on bag. You name it, God, i got stuff and I can't fix it. I don't want to fix it and I'm trying to fix it. But I step back and realize my first step in fixing anything is surrendering to you. And you doing what only you can do. So Jesus, I give you my life. I give you my next steps. I'm going to slow down and put my trust in you and not in my own understanding. Thank you for this chance to make things right with you in Jesus' name. Eyes closed, heads still bowed. And maybe it's an unmet expectation. It's an unhealthy view of self. An unrepentant sin. An unsettled yesterday, an untreated pain. Maybe maybe there's something you're carrying today. it today to Jesus if that's you and you've got something you want to leave in the room and not carry out with you today if that's you would you just put a hand up I'm I'm, I'm checking my bag today I'm checking the bag today I'm walking out different I, this is gonna die I'm gonna be resurrected in the name of Jesus yes God yes God all the hands in the room both of my own hands up Lord I offer everything in my life to you. We offer offer everything. God, settle our yesterdays so that tomorrow we can walk in your grace and your goodness and know what it really means to live free in Jesus. And not to just know you, but find freedom in you. And God, I thank you for the bags that are being checked today. I thank you for the pain that is going to be healed in Jesus' name, for, for the expectations that we're offering into your hands, for the stuff that we don't understand, that we've been trying to understand but we're not going to understand. But you understand. We, we lean on you today in Jesus' mighty name. Now, would you just put your hands together for a loving, freeing, restoring God. Oh, come on, tell him. Tell him with your praise, God, thank you. You still love us. Thank you, you still free us. Thank you. I invite you that if you want to take next steps now that you've checked it, I invite you to check out Encounter, one of our groups, GrowTrack. will help you get to the next place. Just don't stay siloed. Don't do this on an island. He came to help. We're here to help. We're going to give a benediction to our service with the receiving of our tithes and our offerings. And we're all going all in for what God has next as a church. And we're going to receive that in just a moment. And you know, something cool. Got a text message just the other day from... Pastor Alvin, our, our pastor of our prison venue at Dieball Correctional Center, soon to be Duncan unit as well, that uh, got a text say, hey man, 150 in the service. And, and we had 31 people, 31 guys at Dieball say, I wanna take a next step and be water baptized. Is that not cool? That's awesome. So, so we, already, we already had 20 already baptized since we started in April and now another 31, that's 50, like that's 30 some percent of the crew at Dieball getting water baths. I'm so, so excited. We couldn't be in Dieball if it weren't for your giving. And do you know that even Dieball they pass an offering plate? I mean, we don't, we haven't gotten any money yet. That's okay guys, we're not looking for it. Because here's what we say to the guys at Dieball: we say, your connect card and your prayer request is your offering to the Lord. Your, your step of courage to say, I'm going to stop doing that or I'm going to start believing this. That's your, that's your offering. And so they're handing in their offering and you are handing in your offering, whether it be your connect card or your prayer request or putting God first in your finances. We can not we can go further faster as you are faithful in your generosity. So let's practice that muscle of generosity today. Would you stand with me? Don't move where you from where you are, but stand where you are, but stay where you are. We're gonna offer our worship and our giving as, as an offering to the Lord, okay? And so, Meredith, I want you to sing this in just a second. You guys, we're gonna sing this together. And and uh, hey, who oh that's my girl, that's my daughter's age over there, isn't she? Hey, Lead in the worship, come on, man, raise up a child. I I just love what God is doing in this church. But let, let me just say this. They're, they're building up every time and then they're like is this guy gonna shut up so we can sing we're gonna give we're gonna give but i want you to give your best next two minutes to sing these words and believe it because who jesus sets free is free indeed come on meredith let's sing god guys go ahead and give your name is alive
2: that the shadows can't deny your
0: starting a new series on the family we're calling it arrows living towards the target we also have next weekend blitz weekend it is a huge it's a huge youth experience on Saturday night hundreds of students are gonna be here and hundreds are going to be saved it is a gospel message and then we're inviting them back for Sunday to bring their families we're going to see a ton of them water baptized. If you want to be baptized, you can sign up on Timber Creek Church app or TimberCreekChurch.com. We're going to celebrate baptisms. We're going to give away a car. It's going to be cray-cray. There's going to be so many people on this campus. It's going to be nuts. So I need as many of you to attend the 930 service as possible so we can make room for guests that need to hear what we're doing. Okay? So I, how many of you say, you know what? I can do a 930 one, one time. How many do you? All three of you, come on, get your hand out. You know you do it. All right, I need you to talk about that as a family and go to the 9:30 so we can have lots of room in the 11 o'clock because we're going to have so many people, it's going to be nuts. Listen to me. If you're able-bodied, I need as many of you as possible to park in the gravel parking lot next week so we can put a front row. You know, well, I bless God it's my church. I'm gonna park where I want to park. Oh, get over it. Now listen to me. Here's what I want to say about that. When you're preparing Thanksgiving, you don't say, well, you know, I'm going to sit where I want to sit and eat what I want. Like, you you set the table and you get out the china and you, you put the toilet paper, new, new roll of toilet paper in the bathroom where it's over, not under, because everybody knows that people that are in sin put it under. Where you, it, it's It's over. It's over. What am I talking about? So here's the deal. Believe for great things. We have already had three services in the last five weeks, over 2,000 people in attendance. God's doing something crazy. The best is yet to come. Know the truth. Live the truth. His name is Jesus. It's not a concept. It's a person. Be blessed.